A lifetime of hard work, children laughing in the kitchen, family photos on a restaurant wall, a legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation, like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. Chuck Oliver Show, Heath Klein in for Chuck today. Thank you for hanging out with us, talking some college football here on a Wednesday. Plenty to discuss for sure. One place we haven't had a chance to check in in a little bit, wanted to pay them a visit because uh, the, over the weekend was some really interesting news out of South Florida. A quarterback who was perceived to be gone from college football suddenly was not only back at college football, but back in Coral Gables. So we said, let's go check in down there. David Lake joins us from InsideTheU.com here on the Chuck Oliver Show. David, how are you? Doing well, Heath. Good to be on with you. Thank you for making the time. Let's uh, let's start with that news on Cam Ward because the perception had been, hey, he's, he's gone. He said he was gone, going to the draft and... So I don't know that anybody really was paying attention to the idea that he hadn't actually, I guess, formally filed the papers. And and if right. somebody made a persuasive enough case, he could still stick around. How did it come together that suddenly, bam, he's the Canes quarterback? Yeah, I can tell you from, from a Miami standpoint that, yes, he did declare for the NFL draft publicly, but he had never officially signed with an agent, which is kind of, the move that officially takes them out of college eligibility. So while he had never signed with an agent, the line of communication was always open with Miami and they were talking this whole time going back and forth. And, and I can tell you that there was probably two times uh, since he put that public statement out uh, declaring for the draft that he committed to Miami verbally and then rescinded that commitment within hours. So there was a lot of posturing. I think at the end of the day, this was kind of like a good old-fashioned NIL negotiation. Uh, Cam had his number that he wanted. Miami had their number that they weren't willing to go above. Um, and, And Miami always knew that January 15th, which was the NFL draft deadline day, was kind of, kind of the day that things would come to a head. And Miami tried to exercise some leverage by talking to Talia Tungabailoa. Um, and I do think that kind of made the ward camp a little nervous and caused them to commit on Saturday. So I think this is just, you know, a new era of college football, right? You, you, you're negotiating sometimes against other schools in the NIL era, or you're negotiating against what a guy can potentially make in the NFL. I think, Cam Ward, if he left, might have been a seventh-round pick, um, but he chose to come to Miami. Hopefully he can improve his draft stock. He will make more money at Miami than he would at the NFL level. So I think it's a win-win for him. So how does he fit with what Shannon Dawson wants his quarterbacks to do? Yeah, I think it's a perfect fit. He's a guy, Shannon Dawson runs an air raid offense, an air raid passing offense. Um And that's what Cam Ward has done at the college level, starting at Incarnate Word and then at Washington State. So he he is more adept at running an air raid offense compared to, for instance, what Tyler Van Dyke 
was uh, his skill set with running the air raid last year. And also, too, Cam Ward brings a little bit more of a mobility factor compared to Tyler, um, which which kind of hampers any offense in this modern age of college football. So in terms of a fit for this offense, Cam Ward was the perfect fit uh, amongst the transfer portal quarterbacks available. David Lake with us from inside the U.com looking at Miami. Again, Cam Ward, the high-profile transfer over the weekend. They had actually picked up another guy beforehand that at least intrigued some people. Reese Poffenbarger is not a name that is a household name to people who haven't followed recruiting. You don't get a lot of attention when you're an Albany Great Dane quarterback, but there were definitely some people curious about what he could do. What did they get there? Yeah, so he's a guy that produced at the FCS level. I believe he was second in the country at the FCS level in passing yards of just over 3,600 yards. He's a guy that originally signed with Old Dominion out of high school and then uh, bounced down to the FCS level in an effort to go get playing time. And, and he's a guy that, you know, maybe 5'11", 6 foot, has some mobility to his game. Um, you know, when, when Miami took his commitment, they made him fully aware, like, hey, we're still trying to get Cam Ward. So... Uh, Reese Poffenbarger, I think the vision for him is he's going to improve the depth uh, and he will be in a position to maybe compete for the starting job in 2025. So they have definitely improved their quarterback room. And as you guys know, it's really important to have a good backup quarterback. We saw, you know, how Florida State was viewed at the end of the year with their backup quarterback situation. So Having a good backup quarterback is important. I don't know if that'll even be Reese Poffenbarger, uh, but he does raise the floor of that room. Yeah, because some people were wondering, maybe the thought was that Ja'Curry Brown would transfer out of there. Uh, does it look like he's still going to stick around? I, I, I think that's the expectation. Miami, I can tell you, Miami gave him a nice NIL package to stick around. And so I think that spoke volumes to Ja'Curry in terms of what Miami's view of him is and that Miami has always kind of felt like 2025 was his year because he arrived as a developmental guy that ran a wing T offense in high school. And, you know, his start in the bowl game was encouraging. You can see the signs of progress as a passer in his game. And so they feel like let's, let's, you know, keep developing him and see how he looks a year from now as as he'll be in a position to compete in 2025. So looking at the Canes for 2024, I took a look at the schedule, and look, so much will change between now and when you kick it off for real in August. Sure. Understood. But you got a Florida game on the road that is very much a program still trying to figure out what they are and how they can perform sure. better. If you look at the rest of that schedule, if they can get out of Gainesville with a win, which certainly feels feasible, it's hard yeah. looking at this schedule, David, to find a game that is just obviously an L. Now, the Canes have shown they can find L's where people did not see them finding L's, but just on paper, it's like last year, Louisville, people said, boy, I don't know that Louisville's one of the best teams for sure, but his schedule is just a weird year schedule. They could go 12-0 and with this schedule, and they didn't do that, but they obviously made sure it. I look at this schedule for the Canes, I say, huh, if they can just find a little bit of improvement, it sure looks like they could go a long way with this thing if they get out of Gainesville 1-0. I agree with you. And look, to adding to that point, it's year three of the Mario Cristobal era, and it is time to start delivering results on the field. He's gone 12 and 13 
in these first two years, I think it's fair to say he has underachieved relative to the talent level of the team he's worked with at Miami. Now, they're not great teams, but he's still one or two wins under what they should be doing, I think, in these first two years. So that's where getting a guy like Cam Ward is massive because I think it gives you a wider margin of error. And, yeah, I mean, look, game ones are always tricky, especially against Power 5 opponents like Florida, and that game's going to be played in the swamp. So I would still expect it to be a tight game. Uh, but if Miami can survive that, get some momentum going, um, you know, it's there. You know, this is, a, this is a year where Mario has to deliver on the field because recruiting trajectory is on point. It's where it needs to be. Uh, but those wins have eluded them. And this, I agree, this schedule is very favorable, especially considering, look, Florida State probably comes back to the pack some. Um, Miami doesn't play Clemson. So it is a very favorable schedule. Yeah, you just look at it. It's just week week after week. You're like, huh? Okay. I mean, look, yeah. could USF be more than expected? Maybe. Could a Cal somehow have an unexpected year? I I guess. Uh, there's just there's not a lot of games there where you say, boy, that's a trouble spot. And even that game with FSU is in South Florida. The one other thing about Mario that, as far as we know, at least this year he has both his coordinators back. It, it was it took him so long to build the original staff. And obviously last year, you, you part ways with Gaddis. The fact that it looks like for the first time, not just for Mario, for the Canes themselves, it's been years since they've had both coordinators back. Mark Richt was in charge the last time they had both coordinators back. How much will that do just to finally have the players have a chance to have some continuity? I think that continuity is huge. I will say, you know, we're not out of the coaching carousel quite yet. I do think... I mean, look, I don't know if it's really going to go anywhere, but I do think South Alabama might be interested in at least talking to Shannon Dawson, the offensive coordinator. So uh, that could be a situation to monitor. I do know they did lock up Lance Gidry after his, you know, he had an impressive first season at Miami um, in, in 2023. So I do think the continuity is important this year, considering, look, last year, Miami had seven new assistants after Mario's first year. That's a ton of turnover. It's a little chaotic for any roster to deal with. I do think it's important to have that continuity year over year. I expect that to be the case. Uh, but again, South Alabama is out there looking for a head coach. And I do think they want to at least talk with Shannon Dawson. Last thing for you, David. Um, obviously, quarterback was the most high-profile, visible thing they were looking for. Where are they still shopping here over these next few months to try and add personnel? I think the secondary is, is the number one spot. I think they would like to add at least one corner and one safety. They lose both of their safeties to the NFL draft year over year. So uh, they do want to kind of get some guys there. And I think, too, if they can go get a clear wide receiver one, they would love to do that. But I think that's kind of like a dream scenario. I don't think it's like a need. So I think corner and safety would be the two positions, you know, now and also in the spring window that Miami's going to be looking for. That's David Lake. You can see his work at InsideTheU.com. Make sure you check him out if you want to keep up with what's going on with the Canes. David, appreciate you making some time for us here on the Chuck Oliver Show. Thank you, Heath. Have a great day. There's David. And, of course, uh, he is our truest Insider on the Canes there. Appreciate him giving us the lowdown on what's going on with them. Yeah, what he says there about Cristobal, it, it really is fascinating to see how this thing has played out because when Miami landed Mario Cristobal, their fans 
really were convinced, hey, this is the guy. This is the one. You know, he he played here. He was a part of the glory days. We've tried other things that haven't worked out. You know, Mark Richt, as it turned out, maybe nobody knew at the time, but uh, maybe even Richt himself, but Richt was was not the same coach that he had been able to be in his Georgia heyday because perhaps of the looming health issue he was facing. But you know, the, the Richt return was supposed to be that, and it didn't didn't work out the way anybody thought it would. Obviously, you'd had several attempts that hadn't clicked, but this, this was a sitting head coach. They spent the money to go land a guy away from another high-profile Power 5 program. That had never been the way Miami had hired their coaches. It had always been either promote an assistant or or get somebody from a place like a, a temple that's a an up-and-comer type, you know, Washington State back when you go and get a Dennis Erickson. Even a, a Miami uh, going to grab Jimmy Johnson from Oklahoma State. Yeah, that wasn't a program with giant resources that you were taking away a guy from a program that wanted to keep him that had huge financial resources. That's never been how Miami's operated. It's not how Miami was able to operate in trying to keep those coaches. It's not like they wanted to lose Johnson or Erickson or or Bush Davis, but they didn't have the resources financially to compete to even try to keep them, even if they would have considered staying. But this was supposed to be different. This was, hey, we went out, we got a big-time guy. And then it turned out that all the flaws that they dismissed as Ah, you're just saying that because you're bitter that you lost him, Oregon. That's not true. Um, all the flaws about Mario Cristobal, the game coach, have showed themselves in the first two years. And I, I don't know if Mario Cristobal can get them where they want him to go. He'll get the talent. He will land talent there. But can he take the talent and focus it to be consistent week in, week out, and play at the level you need to? You have more margin of error now with the playoff. So you could afford to have that bad loss and maybe still get in with a 10-2 and two season, maybe. But can he even do that? Uh, there's, there's not a ton of evidence that says the answer is yes. But seriously, go look at their schedule. Go look at their non-con. Go look at what they've got. And, you know, Last year, th- where people started to say, hey, maybe Miami has something, is when they beat Texas A&M. This year, the equivalent to that is a Florida team that, yes, it's on the road, but a Florida team that missed the bowl and ended the year on a massive losing streak. They do not have a single game there that you could point to and say, that's the problem game. Now, you wouldn't have said Georgia Tech was the problem game this past year either, and that's the Mario Cristobal experience. If he doesn't fix it this year, I'm not sure he's going to. It is the Chuck Oliver Show. Heath in for Chuck. Got some more moves happening, including Auburn making some news this morning. We'll tell you about who the new offensive coordinator, at least in title, is there on the Plains. Coming up here on the Chuck Oliver Show. Now back to Southern Sports Today and the Chuck Oliver Show. in for Chuck today. Thank you for hanging out with us. By the way, if you are someone who enjoys the program and you want to interact with us on social media, you can follow the show itself, Chuck Oliver Show, just all one long thing, Chuck Oliver Show on Twitter. If you want to do that, we normally post uh, who the guests are going to be in any given day. If you want to have some idea what you're going to be hearing, we uh, do that. And we're going to try and do some more with that in 2024, see if we can't uh, maybe do some kind of viewer mailbag type things since this show is isn't a show that takes calls. 
uh, maybe have a chance to interact with you guys a little bit more. So couldn't hurt to uh, follow the show at Chuck Oliver Show. If you want to follow Chuck himself, Chuck doesn't tweet a ton, but it's King CFB for him. It's Heath Radio for me if you're someone who's into the whole uh, social media thing. But especially for the show, we encourage you to check it out. Chuck Oliver Show. And maybe you could submit some thoughts or questions on what we've got going on that way. All right, so Auburn has made their move for the offensive coordinator spot. Uh, Derek Nix is coming over. Nix had been a part of the Ole Miss staff for a long, long time, including while Hugh Freeze was there. Nix had been 16 years on the Ole Miss staff as either running backs coach or receiver coach. But uh, now Hugh Freeze, who clearly intends to call the plays. So if you're going to make the plan to call the plays yourself, maybe you could prioritize other qualities for what you want from your offensive coordinator, a guy who knows you, knows how you like to operate, makes sense for something like that. And so uh, Derek Nix becomes the offensive coordinator and also will have the running backs coaching responsibilities. Of course, uh, Cadillac Williams no longer on the staff there too. So you, you fill two things there by making the move. Again, 16 years on the staff, and so very familiar, obviously, with the SEC, with the recruiting territory, with all of it. Um, I I don't know if it's the name that would have obviously sprung to mind just because when somebody's been at a place for 16 years, you tend to think, eh, he might just continue to just stay there. But uh, that that does make some sense for what Freeze needs right now that he would go in that direction. So uh, make of that what you will. We'll see what else they do to continue to fill out that staff at Auburn, but that is a key hire for them and, and takes a piece off Elaine Kiffin's staff, and we'll see what Kiffin decides to do about filling that particular spot. A couple of other quick notes, just some things that are going on right now. Uh, Texas A&M, has quali- uh, they, they have quietly put together a really quality class in the transfer portal. You, know, you, you wondered, a guy like Mike Elko, who is at Duke, the kind of players that a guy like Elko is recruiting – there's not going to be a ton of overlap with the kind of kids that A&M is recruiting. It's just a different situation. Duke can't expect to compete for top talent typically. That doesn't mean that Elko wouldn't try, but you don't see a lot of people who have those two schools on their finalist list. And obviously in the case of Duke, too, you're going to be having to deal with a very specific set of kids academically. But if you look at what they've been able to do, they got a commitment now from Des Ricks, who's a five-star who left Alabama. AM picks him up. They already had the number two ranked transfer class. And now you add a five-star in late to that class, uh, they're going to have a major, major haul. There are a few programs that have really done stuff for themselves with the portal. We're going to talk about another one coming up in about seven or eight minutes. We'll take a look at South Carolina because uh, they continue to just be, it's a whirling dervish of, of activity over there. You look at it, South Carolina just in the last two years has had two kids come there, transfer in for a year, and then transfer back out to their old schools. Now South Carolina is doing the same thing. Kid left there, transferred out, and after a year is coming back to South Carolina. I'm not sure there's any program in the country that's had three guys in two years do one-year stints and then go back to the program that they came from. And in this case, they're at least getting a guy back as opposed to uh, losing a guy. But it, it has been... Very, very heavy traffic through the transfer portal over in Columbia, South Carolina. They've had success. I would say Louisville is a program that has probably surprised some people. Um, You look at Jeff Brom, Brom's reputation had been much more about what he was as a game coach 
than what he could be as a recruiter. Now, I have never set foot in Louisville, so I don't know what it is like in comparison to West Lafayette. I have been to Purdue, and I liked it, actually. I, I, I like West Lafayette as a college town. But West Lafayette is out in rural Indiana. It's not exactly the most happening place, I would think, if you're a, a young kid looking for a place that's got a scene. From what I have heard about Louisville, it feels like, okay, it might be a little easier to convince a kid from a social standpoint. It might be more fun at Louisville than Purdue. I can buy that. But I don't think that there was a perception that, boy, as soon as Jeff Brom got to Louisville and out of Purdue, then he would suddenly become a heavy-duty recruiter. But uh, they have really done well out of the transfer portal. And I think it's been really interesting to see Elko. Now, Elko, you know the A&M boosters will be glad to help out any way they can with the big wallet if it will make a difference in the transfer portal. But uh, Elko having this good a class coming into new territory um, as a head coach, again, had been there, has some ties in the state. I'm sure that helped. But as a head coach, spent the last two years recruiting very different people. That is interesting to me that he's been able to do what he's been able to do there and do it as quickly as he has. So, again, there's a lot of things going on still with this sport. And the personnel movement has not wrapped up with the head coaches either. Yesterday we talked about South Alabama's head coach taking a job on the staff. Now Buffalo's head coach also taking a job on the staff at Alabama. Maurice Linguist leaving Buffalo where he's been a head man to come there. So the two youngest coaches in their conference have both left now to go and take jobs on the staff at Alabama. So the Nick Saban consequences have now gone Washington, Arizona, San Jose State, South Alabama, and now Buffalo. Five schools have lost their head coach as a result of the tidal wave created by Nick Saban walking away from his time at Alabama. So still a lot of movement in the portal, in the coaching scene, and everything else. But those are some programs that have done well. And for A&M, that's a really nice pickup here uh, late in the process. As noted, South Carolina is doing a whole bunch of that as well. We will check in over in Columbia and find out when and if they ever stop here on the Chuck Oliver Show. In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps $5 minimum balance required. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. It's always college football time in the South. Now back to more of the king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. He's Klein in for Chuck today, hanging out with you, talking some college football. We head over to Columbia, South Carolina right now, where Shane Beamer and his staff have been as active in the portal as anybody in the conference. They had kids go out, but they've had a whole bunch come in. And we've gotten to the point now where you've literally had a kid go out 
and then come back in a year later. <laughs> goodbye never means goodbye anymore in college football. Joining us to talk about all of the movement over there, David Kleininger has been covering that program forever, does a great job for the Charleston Post and Courier. He joins us now here on the Chuck Oliver Show. David, how are you? Not bad, Heath. How you doing over there? Uh, so, so take me through this, David. When, when, when you hear that Gilbert Edmund is coming back to South Carolina, a player who left last year, perfect example of a kid who had felt like, boy, this is where things are going wrong. Because uh, Gilbert Edmund, for people who don't follow that program, had been a player that they had taken out of Florida, had shown some really nice signs in 2022. He's exactly the kind of guy that historically in college you want to develop and by the time he's done, you say, boy, well, he, he really grew as a player over his career. And then suddenly, oh, wait, he's going to FSU instead. Uh, how do they wind up with him a year later back in Columbia? Well, uh, Heath, I, I think uh, it was a case that the grass may not always be as green as you think it is. Of course, there was some other green that helped influence his decision to leave. Um, but honestly, Gilbert went to Florida State and he played. But he didn't start, and he barely got into some games. The Seminoles obviously had a tremendous season. But maybe he wasn't feeling like, you know, if I want to get to the NFL someday, I need to play, and I don't see that happening here. So he was familiar with South Carolina. He was familiar with Sterling Lucas and Clayton White, who were his position coaches here and still are. Uh, So he reached out to them. And, of course, uh, Keith, you, you know Shane Beamer's attitude on guys like that. Like, well, if he left, that's it. But this is a guy that could help. And apparently Gilbert came to them not necessarily hat in hand or regretful, but he showed a lot of contrition. Um, They said, well, we'll see. Shane talked it over with the team. Would you guys be okay if he came back? And they said, yes. So he's back. Um, And uh, I, I do believe there were some conditions put on it from an NIL perspective. But the main thing was that they said, okay, you know, we're not going to pretend it was no harm, no foul, but, Okay, you've made amends, so welcome back. Yeah, that was the most interesting name just by virtue of the fact you don't see that many reversals, although I I mentioned South Carolina actually saw two go the other way with Stogner at Oklahoma and Rucker back to Arkansas State the year before, so it has happened. But in terms of attention-getting stuff, when you add quarterbacks, that will always do that. South Carolina had multiple guys leave. They've been trying hard to find somebody who could be the backup slash competitor maybe for a talented kid in Lenora Sellers who's going to be a redshirt freshman but is likely the starter. And so finally they wind up with not one but two guys, but the second one, Robbie Ashford, the one that they got yesterday, probably gets people's attention a little bit more. How'd this one come together? Oh, sure. So, you know, he'd been interested for a while, uh, Heath, but like a lot of quarterbacks who went in the portal, he wanted at least some assurance that he would start. And that just was not going to happen here. Um, You know, they told everybody who they were interested in or were interested in them, we can't guarantee you the starting job. We can't guarantee you competition. Little fact, uh, Will Rogers from Mississippi State wanted to come to South Carolina. But he wanted to be promised the starting job, and they said they couldn't do that. So he, he went elsewhere, and, of course, now it's back in the portal. But with Ashford, it was there was some interest there. Then it kind of cooled. But I think when Robbie went around to some of the other schools and really saw that he was going to be getting the same deal there, he thought, maybe I can do this. And, you know, he does look at it as a competition that, okay, I played some. Maybe I can beat out a redshirt freshman in Sellers. So he's going to come here. And USC needed somebody else in that room. As you pointed out, the depth was frightfully thin. You had redshirt freshman Lenora Sellers, true freshman Dante Reno, and Luke Doty, 
who has played quarterback, but he's mostly focusing on wide receiver now. So they needed to get somebody else. They got a walk-on from Oklahoma. Now they have Robbie Ashford. So now you have the desired amount of competitiveness in that room. Because before Ashford came in, it was like, okay, well, you've got three guys, but if Sellers, something happens to him, eh, it may be a long season. David Klonger with us again, uh, covers South Carolina. A team that struggled last year, did not make it to the bowl, had a run at the end, couldn't get it done in the final game with Clemson. We've seen this before. We saw it with Spurrier, in fact, where uh, year three, Spurrier had an actual 500 record, but still did not make a bowl. So there is some parallel even before the greatest era of South Carolina football of of year three of a new coach. You, you kind of hit a little bit of a, a bump in the road. Uh, you watched it all, David. Can they turn this around and at least get back on track to being on the right side of the bowl line next year? I think they've done everything they can to to do that. Uh, he just by adding some of the talent that they've added. Uh, they knew they had some notable weaknesses on the team. They addressed those uh, position wise. Of course, losing some guys and Juice Wells doesn't help. But they feel that they've taken the steps to re- uh, replace some of the big time players that left. So it's going to be tough. The schedule does not get any easier, especially adding that trip to Oklahoma. Uh, but then again, they had a trip to Alabama on the schedule next year. And now it's like, okay, well, what are they going to be like with Saban gone? You know, it's always Alabama, but still it won't be the same Alabama. So I think that they took the steps to get themselves back to where a bowl is not only a possibility, but a probability. But how good of a bowl is that going to be? Of course, just getting to a bowl after not going to one, that's an improvement. But considering how many games they won in the first two years, they really want to take a big step forward in year four. Yeah, they've made a couple of tweaks to the staff. Markel Blackwell comes in as the new running backs coach, had been at A&M most recently. And then, of course, uh, James Coley, a, a more familiar name probably than Blackwell to a lot of fans, a guy who's been an OC at times. He will not be in any kind of play-calling role at South Carolina, which is the key. Uh, good guy to have your staff as a recruiter, not a good guy to have if you're going to let him call plays. What do they get with those two guys, and, and is the perception that that's the end of the movement on the staff? Uh, right now it is. Um, of course, there always could be some coaching dominoes that fall. Uh, obviously, Justin Stepp here was moved into a new position, coaching tight ends since James Coley will coach receivers, but it seems that Step will stay on. Uh, but again, you never know what's going to happen. So uh, with Markel Blackwell and James Coley, you get a lot of recruiting. Uh, as you know, Heath, uh, running back recruiting has not been great the past few years. Uh, Blackwell will help with that. Uh, hopefully he can coach these guys up, uh, the ones that he has now that he has some talent there and Coley is the same with recruiting the guy's known as a dynamic recruiter and that's what they needed because while they've gotten some really diamonds in the rough in that receiver room the recruiting of receivers hasn't been as good as maybe it should have been uh what's in James Coley's favor is that he doesn't have much proven in the room this year yet if you as you know Heath, the past four seasons at South Carolina the top receivers really been kind of an anonymous guy to that point you had uh, Xavier Leggett last year you had Juice Wells the year before that and then Josh Van and then Shai Smith guys who had been around maybe with USC maybe with other teams maybe hadn't done anything they all had a great year so they're hoping that Coley can get that out of this year's group and then go start recruiting some more 
Yeah, it's been interesting because you look at a guy like Leggett, I don't know if he'll be a first-round pick, second-round pick, but he's gone from a guy that nobody would have thought at the end of last year was anything more than at best maybe a camp flyer for somebody to a high draft pick in one year, and yet you're making a change at receiver. Step out of that original staff Beamer put together was probably as highly touted a member of that staff as anybody he hired. Why didn't it click for them in all aspects of the receiving Because as you say, on field, some development happened, but the recruiting just was not clicking. Oh, sure. And, uh, you know, maybe that is just at South Carolina, um, you know, in this new age of, of, you know, football recruiting, they couldn't maybe offer as more um, as equal or more than other schools would offer. Maybe some of it is just that I don't know if I want to play in that system. You do have to hold off uh, Clemson in your own backyard who has made a reputation of getting receivers in there, developing them, and then putting them into the league. I think it's a mix of all of that. And then, of course, as South Carolina's offense has gone the past few years, it's been a case of one receiver really getting most of the glory and the other guys just kind of pick up the scraps. So it's hard to say. I think it's a litany of reasons. There's not one specific thing, but that room needed an infusion. And so they went out and did what they thought was best. And guys just got to get here and start going out and do it. Um, he was already up in my hometown. James Coley was of Brock Hill, South Carolina, recruiting a player uh, and, and offering just a week ago. So they're going out there. They're going to try to get more talent in there. So it's maybe not as much time you have to spend developing because that talent's already there. Last couple of minutes here with David Kleininger from the Charleston Post. A courier looking at uh, South Carolina. Uh, David, again, you said right now, as far as you know, that seems to be all the movement on the staff. Uh, there's a whole bunch of fans that would have had trouble believing that nothing was going to change defensively. Now, Clayton White, his first two years, did pretty strong work. And so I think maybe some people were overreacting to what they were seeing with their frustration and, and whatnot. But I still think it probably will surprise some people if they feel like everything over there is is intact and there's no need to tweak anything. Is that what you're hearing, though? Yeah, pretty much. Um, The fact is, uh, Heath, is that it's not just simple of firing a guy for firing sake. I mean, unless there was just something really inexcusable, Um, especially at a place like South Carolina, you have to have a guy in mind says, will he come here? Will I be able to make an improvement if I make a change? And there were some guys that they looked at, that they talked at, that maybe said, well, I don't know. Or they said, well, I don't know if this is really going to be an upgrade. You know, Clayton's defense, the first couple of years, it was doing enough to get by. You really thought it would take a step forward this year. It played fantastic in the last month of the season. Great. Why did it take so long to get there? You know, and that movement that they made switching to a three, three, five base alignment instead of a four, two, five, that was Shane Beamer's suggestion. So a lot of people thought, well, maybe this is it. But at the end of the day, they thought, well, it was a bad season. Everybody contributed and we're going to leave it at that. So they didn't think that they could upgrade that spot. So everything is status quo for right now. That's uh, that's an interesting choice because the thing is, you can't let the mob rule. I mean, if you're a head coach, you absolutely have to believe in your guys and, and your knowledge of your personnel and what you think the problem is. You can't let mob rule cause you to make changes just to make changes. But at the same time, when you know everybody was calling for a change, if you say you guys are not right on this, I'm telling you, we can make it better then they get even angrier if it doesn't get fixed the next year. And and that's where I think back to a few coaches through the years, just by, by choosing to say, I think we have the answers and you guys are overreacting, 
they, they made their own life a whole lot harder the next year if they turned out to be wrong. And there's some times where in some cases I think it cost people their jobs. I don't think Shane Beamer's anywhere near that because I think Shane Beamer has largely overachieved in three years at South Carolina for what he took over. But it's just a really interesting choice to say, not nah, we got this. Yeah, and the fact is, though, it's like, you know, if, you, if you're not going to upgrade, if you're not going to get a guy who you feel can be comfortable, and that means not from a, just a player perspective, but fitting in with the rest of your staff, then maybe you shouldn't do it. And Clayton is obviously very familiar uh, with the guys around here. Everybody likes him, likes to work with him. And I think that they're just willing to say, it's like, you know, after looking it over, it was just a bad season. Now, that Florida loss, that's all on the defense. You know, you, you've got a 10-point lead with seven minutes to go. You need to win that football game. And as it turns out, it kept them out of a bowl game. Yet, I think they looked at it and said, we can't blame everything on just that one aspect, just that one game. And so they said, we're going to stick with what we have. Now, of course, anything can still happen. But from what I know, as we speak right now, they're like, okay, you know, we're going to take this blame as a team, and there's not going to be any ultimatums issued. But – Head coach has got to be responsible for it, and he's taking this choice right now to say it's okay. It was a bad year. I'm going to fix it. David Kloninger will be covering whatever happens in 2024 for the Charleston Post and Courier. Appreciate him making some time for us. David, be well, man. Take care. He thanks. There you go, David. Of course, our truest reporter on South Carolina here on the Chuck Oliver Show. Uh, again, you, you look at that situation. It's the opposite of Miami. You know, we were talking about Miami and how you you look at their schedule and you say, okay, you know, I can. You don't have to believe Miami's going to necessarily be great, but you can see a path where if they're just okay, if they're just the kind of program they've been in a lot of other years, you could see how they could still be a nine win, ten win team without even making gigantic strides. South Carolina is the opposite of that. I mean, you, you look at that program and you look at the schedule that they got and they just, it's hard to find, even if they are a really good program, it's hard to find a path where they could get to nine wins without being way better than people thought that they were supposed to be. I don't, I'm not saying they can't make a bowl. Okay. But you're going to see, a road game in week two in the SEC against Kentucky, a team that you have handled the last couple of years but has given you problems before that. And then LSU coming to your place, highly ranked team for sure. Then after four weeks, maybe you – we'll say you're off to a decent start. You beat Old Dominion at home. You took one of the two games between Kentucky and LSU, and you beat Akron. So you're 3-1. and one. Okay, 3-1. and one. Then you get back-to-back an Ole Miss team at home that's loaded for bear – at Alabama, at Norman, Oklahoma. Uh-oh. <laughs> like, wh- which of those games sounds like what we know about these teams for 24? Hey, that's the layup. That's the game you get well in. Those three games back-to-back, that's the kind of thing that can bury you. If you don't win one of those games, even if you got off to a good start at 3-1, and one, those three games are all going to be so hard to win. Then if you're 3-4, and four, okay, now you're in chase mode. Now you're kind of desperate. And coming down the stretch, you still got a Missouri team in November that's supposed to be pretty good again next year and a road trip to Clemson. Like, you could be a pretty good team, but unless you're perfect in basically every game that's not against a ranked program, you're a 500 kind of program. And it's sometimes that schedule, when you look at that year after year after year, you just wonder how high can it get? 
And it just drives home how amazing the job Spurrier did getting that program to number four in the country in 2013, having three straight 10-win seasons, how amazing that job was. Because especially now in the expanded version of the SEC, where you're probably going to have an Oklahoma or a Texas on top of everything else you had every year, and some years that Vanderbilt game's going to go away, some years that Kentucky game's going to go away, man, uh, they they have a bear to deal with, whether Shane Beamer or anybody else in that job. It's just it's going to take a Herculean lift to get past eight wins with the schedule they're going to be seeing for a while. It is the Chuck Oliver Show. Connor Stallions, hadn't heard much about him recently. He's back in the news. I promise you, you will not guess why. We will explain coming up here on the Chuck Oliver Show. Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. I know where to find you. Hey, it is so awesome to be here. It's uh, happened really fast. Uh, we got a lot of great news coming out, whether it's recruiting, our staff. Can't wait to ingrain myself in this community. What a special place. What a special place. The standard is Alabama. The standard is Alabama. That, of course, is the voice of Kalen DeBoer, his first public Meet the fans kind of moment last night at Alabama's basketball game. Unlike uh, Brian Kelly, he did not have a accent moment that everybody wound up talking about more than how he was received by the crowd or anything like that. Um, you know, again, it's all nice to say, hey, we're, we're, we're super excited, cater to the students a little bit. That's all great. Uh, now you got to figure out a way to, first of all, maybe hold on to some guys in the portal like Caleb Downs. And again, if you're just joining us here at the Chuck Oliver Show, Caleb Downs, the star for Alabama as a freshman, has put his name into the portal. Georgia's being already touted as the likeliest destination. We'll see whether or not he chooses to go anywhere. Remember, you've got 30 days to put your name in the portal after a coaching change. You don't have to leave. You can choose to put your name in the portal and see what happens. So, for example, at Washington, there's some kids like Will Rogers who had committed to be a quarterback there for Kalen DeBoer, put his name into the portal and then kind of has left it open-ended. Now, he might leave if he likes what he hears from Jed Fish and Fish thinks he can play, then maybe he stays. So if you are a guy like Downs, putting your name in the portal opens up the contest. It doesn't necessarily mean for sure he's going to leave, but the buzz seems to be more that he will to Georgia than anything else. Uh, so you can address the crowd and say good things. Find a way to win a recruiting battle for Caleb Downs with Kirby Smart and with Travaris Robinson on the other sideline. Find a way, even if the way is find a booster with an oil well who's willing to transfer it over to Caleb Downs' family. Find some way to win a recruiting battle like that, and that'll help you a whole lot more than any kind of nice, nice polite crowd work is going to do. But uh, that's that's a starting point. He'll have to figure out the hard stuff now going forward. Hey, uh, let, let's quickly tell you about uh, what matters to me today. It's presented by This Stuff Matters. Connor Stallions is back in the news. Uh, David, I'm going to bring you in on this. Are you familiar with the video service known as Cameo? Uh, I cannot say that I am, no. If you are not, like David, it is a video service that allows you to get someone who is a celebrity of some kind, whatever it might be, uh, you can get them to record a video for you. And a lot of people have done it like, oh, you know, this is my favorite actor or, or or this is like my dad's favorite actor from his favorite cop show. 
and I'll pay this guy, you know, $50, $75, whatever, to be like, hey, Joe, thanks for watching Law & Order. You know, it's your birthday. Heard from your daughter. You're, you're a huge fan. So we all, we all appreciate you so much. Thanks for watching, you know, type of thing. Lots of people are on Cameo. And now Connor Stallions is on Cameo. This is not a joke. He is listed as former Michigan football analyst. So far, he's done 16 videos. They have all gotten a five-star rating. People are getting value out of Connor Stallions for your video needs. And again, he's recording the video of himself, not of you or something else he's not supposed to. But you can get Connor Stallions to, for $75, record a personal video saying any message that's not you know obscene or inappropriate that he wouldn't be willing to say. But you can... Throw your 75 bucks in. David, you think uh, maybe you want to throw 75 bucks in so you can get him to say go bucks? Anything like that? I'd probably get him to say that or something like, yeah, I cheated and I got and I got away with it. Call me crazy. I'm guessing he won't record that video. But if you've been thinking about it, the perfect gift for a Wolverine fan in your life, Connor Stallions will help you out. It's what matters to me today, presented by This Stuff Matters. Thank you for listening. Thanks to David Holloway for producing. Be back here with you tomorrow on The Chuck Oliver Show. Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com john. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Is there chaos in your closet? Look, Blouse, you've got some nerve hanging there like that. I can't help it. I'm jammed in here next to this suit. Hey, I'm a three-piece, all right, which means I need a little more room. You've got a lot of attitude for a linen suit. I'm a polyester blend, sweetheart, and there needs to be room for men's clothes, too. Hi, I'm Christina, and in Artisan Custom Closets, we help families organize and simplify their closets with customized storage solutions. See what's possible for your home at artisancustomcloset.com and then call us for a free in-home consultation. 